Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Arizona Cardinals, and ESPN play-by-play announcer Dave Pash. My guest this week is CBS broadcaster Charles Davis, who is simply one of the best in the biz. And he's also one of the best guys in the business. Saw Charles as he was calling the Titans-Cardinals preseason game for Tennessee television, and always good to catch up with him. One of the friendliest people in our business. So good at what he does, whether it was calling college games for all those years at Fox, calling NFL at Fox, or now at CBS with his broadcast partner, Ian Eagle. We'll talk Cardinals, we'll talk NFC West, we'll talk about other teams that may be under the radar that Charles has his eye on potentially to make the Super Bowl. So the Cardinals are in as good a shape as anyone. To me, it all comes down to, to one thing. Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, both of them, to me, have to find a way to bring the rest of the team along that the second half of the season is exciting and winning as the first half. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Get ready for a football season like never before with BetMGM, an official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Sign up today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Now time to hear from one of the top analysts in the sport, CBS's Charles Davis. First off, Charles, we are in a business where there are a lot of egos. Like I've had other former coaches and former players come into our business and say, man, there are more egos in this business than there were in football <laughs> or basketball. You're one guy that has no ego. And you work with Ian Eagle on CBS. And I've known Ian for 30 years he was a big help to me when I was coming out of college still is a big help to me yeah but the two of you guys are two of the nicest guys in this business so you've been working together for a couple years do you ever argue (laughs) do you do you agree on everything you guys must be the best announced team to be around oh you're awfully kind first and foremost Dave that's very nice of you to say it's greatly appreciated second anyone who really knows me knows I do have an ego (laughs) <laughs> and plenty of it, okay? I mean, let's face it. If we're in this business, every one of us does to some extent because we know what it's like and the willingness to put yourself out there and the whole thing and to believe that, yeah, what I'm doing is pretty darn good. Yeah, we all have it. My thing, I think, is learning along the way and coming up the way that I've had to come up. I have more to prove all the time, Dave. So I'm not one that has a resume that just sings out at you. You know, I, I wasn't an All-American. I wasn't an All-Pro. I wasn't a Coach of the Year. I was all those things. So I have to keep working to prove. So in no no way, shape, or form can I jump into the front of the line and go, look at me, and do jazz hands. It just doesn't work that way. Ian, he's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, as you mentioned, he helped you. He helps me all the time. There's things we disagree about, but I don't. I, I I'd be stunned to find out if we had this question ten years down the road that he and I ever had cross words. I mean, it's just he's so good and so brilliant and so smart. I'm very very happy to follow his lead, and at the same time, when I have something to offer, he considers it. You know, I mean, he he, it's everything's legit. And if we decide not to do something, there's always a valid reason for it. So I don't spend any time going, I can't believe he didn't want to do my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> every idea I have isn't brilliant, even though I like to think it is. But you, you mentioned 
I mean, you remind me in some ways of Kirk Herbstreet, who, you know, didn't have this tremendous resume in terms of being a player that, you know, won multiple national championships or an All-American or a pro bowler, uh, yet here the two of you guys are among the top analysts in the world. And take me through, because you, you know, did such a great job at Fox for so long, whether it was with Gus Johnson or Kevin Burkhart, and then you get the number two gig at CBS, which includes a playoff game. Take me through the decision, uh, Charles, to, to leave Fox, where you had been for a long time, and, and go to CBS. Well, you know, that again, really, really appreciate that. And we know how, you know, terrific Kirk is. I mean, look at him. He's top of the food chain in terms of, you know, the, the respect, the analysis. Plus, he's an incredible worker. I mean, how many jobs does that man have? I mean, just waking up in the morning, I'm tired thinking about what Kirk's hmm. schedule is going to be this fall <laughs> now that he's edited Amazon and everything else. And, you know, I always tease, I always would tease him before about, we may have had similar resumes, but you know what one for you, Herbie? You played quarterback at Ohio State, okay? Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, that does not hurt. But, but when you go behind things, as you've alluded to, and I'll stop here on Kirk after this and move on, he had to wait his turn there, right? If I remember correctly, I think he was a fifth-year, first-year starter mm-hmm. and captain of the team. So the respect level was there because – he waited his turn in terms of, hey, I went out the starter, but I'm still a great practice player. I'm still a great teammate. I'm still ready if they need me. And then when it was his turn, he produced in a big way. But think about nowadays, Dave, and again, I'm not blasting anyone because when I was a freshman at Tennessee, I was very unhappy my first semester. I thought about transferring too. So I get it when people want to move. But I don't think there's any denying that the movement now is well beyond anything we've seen before. Kirk in this day and age, he may not have stayed at Ohio. He may have found another place. Yeah. But he did find his, his niche there. But he understands what the grind is. He understands the effort you have to put in. He also understands the word patience. So I've been fortunate. I've, I've stood next to some really great people, as you've mentioned, you know, from, from, from Dick Stockton helping groom me, Tom Brenneman before that. You mentioned Gus, Kevin, now, of course, Ian. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. I will say this, Kenny Albert who would jump in during baseball season. Brilliant. Great guy, okay. too. So, Great guy, I've been, too. I've been, I've, been, I've been lucky, you know, Sam Rosen. All those things kick in. I'm fortunate. Here's the deal. My time there between college football and NFL football, at a certain point, it got to where – I said got to. You know, there, were, there was conversation – that I wasn't quote unquote privy to, but I understood, hey, you know, somebody else may be coming in, this may be happening. But as I said then, it made sense because my contract was coming up, CBS was interested in me, and as I tell everybody, without diving too deep into all that, it just made sense for me to be where I am now, which is a CBS, and I consider myself grateful <laughs> that they would want me to join their team. Well, you and I are great together, and you guys are going to be a great team for a long time. You called the game Sunday for CBS, uh, the Steelers game, but then on Saturday prior to that, you did our game against uh, the Titans yeah. for uh, – for yeah, we t- got a chance to visit. Yeah, it was, gr- it was great catching up, man. Uh, so I, it, it's, in a way, kind of a difficult question to ask for your thoughts yeah. on the Cardinals because nobody played, but right. what did you think based on what you saw? Well, it's, it's, you're right. I mean, if we're taking off the snapshot of what we saw – 
you and I, neither one of us could venture anything, and you're closer to the team than I am, right? I mean, around the league, if you ask teams, ask any anyone who watches their team, hey, what you think your team? I don't know. None of the guys play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh against Detroit played guys a lot longer in game three than, than I would have expected. Najee Harris, their running back, played the entire first half. I think their whole entire starting offense played the first half. DJ Watt played the first half. I mean, it was you're I was sitting there going, "Wow, this is not normal in this day and age." But that's how the Steelers do it. And uh, I'd say Mike Tomlin's track record is pretty good on it. For the Cardinals, I have to take them in aggregate, Dave. And this is a good football team. We know it's a good football team. They were in the playoffs last year. Did they lose anything? Anyone you know that, that makes the appreciable difference? Well, you're always wondering if this guy's gone. Will that change things with that guy? But I feel like they have such a good core roster that you're not worried as much about that. Other people have to plug and play. That happens everywhere around the league. So the Cardinals are in as good a shape as anyone. To me, it all comes down to to one thing. Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, Pat Cannon. Both of them, to me, have to find a way to bring the rest of the team along. That the second half of the season is exciting and winning as the first half. And that may sound trite, but I don't know that there's anything else left for this Cardinals team to prove. They're good. They went to playoffs last year, Dave, and you watched them. Please tell me if I'm wrong. But the previous two seasons, there were opportunities to make the playoffs in those seasons, but they couldn't close the deal in the second half of the year. Yep. This past year, they sprinted out so far ahead that when they did hit bumps in the second half year, they could weather them. But they weren't good going into the playoffs, and then they didn't play well in the playoffs. And look, Cliff Kingsbury has exceeded what many would have thought when he was named head coach. Why? Well, look at the resume coming in. Texas Tech, losing record overall. Second half of any season at Texas Tech, never a winning record. Was going to be the offense coordinator at USC. All of a sudden, he's head coaching. Whoa, 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 what just happened here? But he's proven his mettle in terms of adapting, putting together a heck of a product, getting better every year on the field, and then getting to the playoffs last year. But that does go with him. Second part is Kyler Murray. We went through the entire offseason with the Kyler Murray drama, this, that, and everything. But is he talented beyond belief? There's times I have to believe, Dave, when you're watching plays. You're like, did I just describe that? Because when we call games, I mean, I am called the Hale Murray. Yep. <laughs> I mean, so we've seen it. But now, is he that guy that's going to move this team ahead and make that type of progress that they have to have in order to go deeper into the playoffs and be a factor? Because it's all on him now. Every move that's made in the offseason, every move that's made in the preseason, in my mind, has been a reflection of management saying, give Kyler what he wants or what we believe he needs to make us better. That's my own estimation of it. I want to get back to Kyler, but you mentioned Cliff, and I, I've had to remind people that are Cardinal fans of this often. In today's NFL, head coaching hires are as much about ability to develop and get the most out of the quarterback position as we've ever seen it. It's not necessarily about being a CEO, managing the whole organization. It's about that relationship with the quarterback. And you think about who Cliff worked with. And the problem is, other than Mike Evans, he didn't have a lot to work with for, the, for his quarterbacks. But he had Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, 
Johnny Manziel, the year he won the Heisman, and now Kyler Murray. And he deserves credit for helping all of those guys along the way. I'm curious, if, yeah. if have you noticed any changes in the way Cliff has approached things? Because we have here in terms – I think the biggest thing that stands out to me, and obviously I'm close to it so we see it every day, is I think Cliff's – he's such a humble guy and just a good dude that I think initially – he didn't want to step on anybody's toes. He heard exactly what you were talking about, people saying, oh, why does he have this job? So I think he wanted to right. make sure that he didn't step on anybody's toes. And now that he's more comfortable, he's won, he has proven himself at this level, I think we're seeing more of who Cliff really is. He's a lot more comfortable with the media. Uh, we saw an edge last year with officials. I, I think that's really who Cliff is. So I, I'm curious if you've seen other things or heard other things about how he's grown and changed over the last few years. Dave, I think that's a great synopsis on it uh, on Cliff because the background on him that you know some people may not be aware of. Cliff comes out of this like so many others. He's the son of a coach too, raised in the game, cerebral quarterback who produced at a big time level in college football. Had the cup of coffee in the NFL. Was never a threat to be a starter, but a guy that you liked having on the roster was going to know your playbook, was going to work hard, all those things. So he didn't just take in quarterback play along the way. He took in coaching 101, relationships, all of that. So go back, and, and, I, and I agree with your point of getting the job, hearing, oh, my God, who hired what? Are you kidding me? And feeling it from the peers in, in, that are in the business. You and I understand that, Dave, because when we're getting it, if we get a certain job, we may get congratulations. Not all of them are heartfelt now because that's just the way we are. Because some people are like, how do you get that job? <laughs> right? Now, the truth of the matter is you and I both privately have said the same things ourselves. How do they get that job? And I didn't get that job. That's just the way it No, no, never, right? never, 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 never. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let me just – I'll just leave it with me. All right, I've done that. I'm kidding, but, man. But, but the funny part is, you know, Cliff has had to go through that, so I think you're spot on with that one. But now he's been through the fire. He's done these things. And I think that – and what I've heard is – more time with other positions, even though he's still running the offense. More time with those other coaches. In the beginning, hey, I'm counting on you to like you be the CEO of defense or whatever, right? That sort of a deal. Still, that's there. But now, I don't think he. I don't think he's shy about offering an opinion about what he's seeing, how it's being coached, what's going on out there. And people keep forgetting just because you coach one side of the ball more exclusively than the other, doesn't mean you don't know what's going on on the other side. In fact your experiences on that side of the ball can help you and help your other side of the ball get better. If you're a defensive coach, you go in and sit with your offense coordinator and tell them, hey, this is what I'm seeing from your crew, and this is how I would stop you. This is what I want to do. If you're an offensive coach, you're going to your D coordinator, hey, these are types of things that I'm running or I'm seeing or what I suspect they're going to do with you, and this is how I think they're going to attack. You use those eyes to help that go on. And so I think he's gotten to that stage, and I think he, it burns him to know that that record's out there the second half of a year and trying to figure it out to where that they fin where they finish strong and they go into the playoffs and have an opportunity to win some playoff games and go deeper. That's the next goal for him. And he's a competitor through and through. He's not he's not taking that lightly and I think he's going to try and attack that as well. And obviously the team has to produce, but Dave, imagine if if that's what you're hearing everywhere you go. And the problem is it's a legit deal. This isn't one where we're just talking about it. We can point to actual numbers and say, okay, here they are. How do you fix that? 
You've known Charles and covered Kyler Murray going back to even when he was at Texas A&M before he went to Oklahoma and won the Heisman Trophy and then was the number one overall pick in the draft. You know the family. He played against his dad, I think. Uh, you guys were in college at the same it, time. It played against him, but we were the same time frame. And, and this is how old I am. I called a bunch of Cliffs games in college at Texas Tech, so I'm an old dude. <laughs> well, you've been doing this a long time and at a high level. So, But I'm. what's your – assessment of Kyler's ceiling because you talked about it and you witnessed yeah. the game against Buffalo a couple of years ago yeah. I mean he can he can do that now I mean they're, the the crazy wow. the unimaginable uh he can do that uh the the question I, I ever on everybody's mind here is you know can he do it consistently uh can he deliver not just in one big game but in a series of big games to get you to a championship look you said something that I've really latched on to. You talk about how Cliff has coached all these quarterbacks and, and helped make them better. And what I always talk about is, to me, and you call a lot of college football too, so please tell me if, if, if you're seeing something different. I don't believe the game of football is as quarterback-centric as it is right now. Like, it's never been this quarterback-centric. I grew up in an era where you could actually play around your quarterback by how the game was played. If you had that that, that, that horrible expression of game manager. See, to me, a game, game manager is Tom Brady, it's Peyton Manning, it's, it's, it's Drew Brees, it's you know Patrick Mahomes. The guys at the top of the food chain manage the game better than anyone. But, but, but I know the way that we use it popularly is game manager is the guy who's not quite the guy that you point to. Hopefully he won't get you beat. Hopefully he'll make the right decisions, all of that. I grew up in an era when you could do that with your quarterback and still win championships. I don't think you can do that now. I think your quarterback has to be that person. Everything runs through your QB. The the, the Baltimore Ravens defense, they, they carried them to a Super Bowl, and everyone talks about that. You know what my reminder is, Dave? Trent Dilfer was a first-round pick of the quarterback. Right. So I know you're ripping him, but at the same time, it's not like he didn't have talent. Was it a weird year? Yeah, they went through the entire month of October and scored an offensive touchdown and won a Super Bowl. So, yes, that defense was predominant. But there's less and less where one side of the ball, meaning defense in our, this case, carries you that far. At some point, your quarterback's got to be able to make plays. To me, there is no ceiling with Kyler Murray. Now that we've broken down the barrier about height and people so concerned, this kid never was, was Paul Bunyan. He's always played having to learn how to do that and to go undefeated in high school, to go through some bumps in college and come out the other side. You know, he wasn't total silver spoon. Texas A&M, it didn't go so great his first year. He and Kyle Allen both transferred out. Then he goes to Oklahoma and got sit behind a Heisman Trophy winner in Mayfield longer than he thought. Still managed to, to, to hang in there with the Heisman, fifth first-round pick in baseball. Dave, I don't think there's a ceiling. I think there's nothing he can't do. He can be that exciting. The consistency is going to be the word, meaning to me, down the stretch, bigger games. And can he find ways to win when he doesn't have his best stuff? It's like a great pitcher. You know, used to, used to getting 15, 10, you know, 10, 12 strikeouts a game. Now he doesn't have that. But can he pitch his way and keep his team in it? And all of a sudden, those strikeouts turn into ground balls. Okay. He doesn't have his best stuff instead of winning, three, you know, two to one. He finds a way to hold him to four runs. His team wins by four. Those are the times when you find out about a quarterback. When you're 17 of 38 going into the fourth quarter, 
somehow on the last drive you fashion it together and go six for seven and stick it in the end zone, that's when you found a quarterback. Not the days you're 28 to 31. That's not when you find out who you are. And those are the things that we're looking for, I think, from a Kyler Murray who's more than capable of doing everything I mentioned and then some. And I couldn't agree with you more about what you said about and, and the Cardinals know that. That's why they gave Kyler the contract. The hope is that it works out great. But if it doesn't, okay, you had to. You had to. You, you were in a position where you absolutely had to do that. And Definitely. You know, the last two guests we had on, on this podcast, we had Jason Light, the Buccaneers GM. Think how his yeah. life is different with Tom Brady coming back <laughs> as opposed to not. Yep. And Dabo Sweeney, who I just had on the other day, you know, Clemson had made the college football playoff six straight years. They missed it last year. Well, why? Well, the quarterback didn't play well. And San Francisco, clearly Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch feel, okay, Jimmy G, we've got a great defense. We've got Debo Samuel who can do everything, but Jimmy just can't get us to that next level. They think Trey Lance can. I don't know how much you've seen of Trey Lance. Uh, I don't know if you had San Francisco at all last year, but do you think think Trey Lance and the 49ers are – a contender in the NFC West and beyond? I think that they are. I did a lot of work on him, Dave, prior to the draft. I've not had him as a professional yet. But I think that they are and should be because of what we talked about a little bit, meaning that defense is so good you don't want to waste it. And it's a calculated gamble. Jimmy G's been to an NFC championship game and a Super Bowl. So if you're going to turn your back on a guy who's gotten that far, you've got to have conviction that that's it. It's not going to get better. And that's why Lance became the guy. So you're saying now, okay, we're bringing in the guy who's going to take us farther. Calculated gamble. The Rams did that with Jared Goff, who had taken them to a Super Bowl or been a part of a Super Bowl team. However, the Rams fans want to talk about it. He's the quarterback. And if they get a catch in the end zone in the Super Bowl game, the outcome might be different too. But they decided that he was only going to take them so far, calculate gamble, and it, boy, it paid off, Matthew Stafford. They did it. They won it. Tchaikovsky Tart dropped an interception. We might have a different script going on, Hyundai. Yeah. But the bottom line is it gets done. So now everyone's like, okay, maybe I'm bolder now. I go for it. Lance's skills are phenomenal. Oh, Dave, I don't know if you've seen him in person, but yes. I think you have. He played in one of the games last year against the Cardinals. Right? He played instead of Jimmy G, yeah. How gorgeous is he to look at? Yeah. Him yes, yes. Jogging by. You're like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, right? But remember, one season at the 1AA level, one game the next year, and then essentially not much play since then. So you're counting on him making a big leap in a short amount of time, which is essentially kind of his rookie season, playing hurt last year. But I do think that they feel like they can play around it a little bit. Kyle is not averse to running the football, and they run it quite well. And let him get his sea legs and then start expanding his plate as they go along. It won't be easy, but they've taken that calculated gamble that he can get them over the top when it comes time, that he'll make those plays that maybe they didn't get before from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's an interesting fix, an interesting situation, isn't it, Dave? You're good enough to get to a Super Bowl, almost won it. You're good enough to get to an NFC Championship game, almost got to another Super Bowl. That's not good enough, and they move on. And we've seen people do this throughout time, college programs that aren't great, but somehow this coach is winning eight or nine a year, and they go, you know, we can win more than eight or nine a year. And they fire that coach, and the next coach doesn't come close to winning eight or nine. So it's a calculated gamble. 
it's so hard to to repeat too now in the NFL because the quarterbacks there there's so many great quarterbacks spread throughout the league and you know Matthew Stafford who knows with the elbow situation uh, if he's going to be a hundred percent beginning of the year or maybe even throughout the year and the Rams like you know it came down to the last game of the season the Cardinals win that game at home the Rams are on the road maybe they still make the Super Bowl and win it, but it would have been a different path in terms of locations of their games. It wasn't like they were a great team all year. They got hot in the playoffs. Do you see them legitimately being in the conversation in the end to repeat this year? I, I do, and the reason is, and, and, and you framed it perfectly, I'm going with, okay, let's say Matthew Stafford is, is more than healthy enough somehow, some way, right, that we're past the elbow or it's not going to hinder him and he can play and all that. I think they are. There's a confidence that goes with doing what they did last year. There is a, a you saw how guys and the, how they they keep filling in different people on the roster. We know about the f those picks T-shirts. The unwritten part of it is, yeah, those picks you did make they were pretty darn good, and they're counting on some of those guys to be even better this year, like an Ernest Jones at linebacker. Well, I love coming out of South Carolina. Didn't get much burn last year, but he's kept being counted on to be a front line guy, and I think he can play to that level. So those are the types of things. You see them develop well under Sean McVay and crew. He had a chance to do the introspection. He had a chance to come over to the dark side with us, right, Dave? Big money, too. Yep. And he realized that's not who he is. He still burns to be a coach that speaks well for him. Aaron Donald talked about for retiring what have you. Well, it certainly looks like he's still firing. I'm not in favor of anyone swinging helmets at anyone else. <laughs> Believe me, if there was any type of – action taken, I would be applauding it. I know that they're not, and they're going to have to study that in the future. But I'm talking about Aaron Donald, the essence of wanting to be a great player, which he's always been. I don't think that goes away. And I just think that they still feel like there's more out there. I think, you know, they, they want to be the next Patriots who, that, that repeat. People haven't done that in a long time. And I feel like they've got the firepower to do it. Remember, they didn't get Cam Akers back till the end of the year last year. And even then... You know, he had a good game against you guys, but was he 100% truly? No. So, again, you're projecting a little bit like, hey, if we get all this back, we can be right in the mix. And I think so. And is that, as I said, that confidence that goes with it. Cincinnati was 10-7 and last year. None of us saw them racing to the Super Bowl, but they did. And now they're going to, you know, okay, <laughs> here we go again. And I'm going to tell you what the, the difference is, is. I see a day between the two of them that got to the Super Bowl. The Rams have been on the scene for a while. This is not new. They'd already been to one Super Bowl with Sean McVay. So this isn't new being the hunted. For Cincinnati, <laughs> I, I think you've heard the same thing I've had when you talk with other, other franchises. Tell me if this is correct. Hey, respect the heck out of them. Great run last year. Let's see how they handle now being a marquee team. Right, yes. Okay? And it's not just being a marquee team where, hey, you went to the Super Bowl, circle on the calendar. Well, one organization pointed out that, okay, if you are a bad team, you play every week at noon or 1 o'clock, right? Noon Central, 1 o'clock Eastern, because no one expects you to be very good. When you are expected to be a good team, your schedule is in total flux. 1 o'clock this week, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, short week. <laughs> All of that because the good teams go, oh, yeah, by the way, don't forget 425. Get a lot of those slots, too. So mm -hmm. now you're getting back later and you're doing things. That's when you find out if you're a franchise that endures, when you can handle that year in and year out. The Rams have been like that. 
You know, Kansas City's been like that. Tampa's been like that. That's what Cincinnati's going to face this year. I'm not saying they're not up for the challenge. They very well could be. But that's what people are wondering. Hey, let's check it out and let's see. The Cardinals play Kansas City week one. Clearly. What a great opener. Yeah, it is a great matchup. <sighs> um, clearly, and that game is on uh, CBS. Clearly. Yeah, Jim and Tony, they're going to be fired up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tony will be all jacked up watching that. Oh, they're going to have a great time with that one. Do you think Kansas City gets back to the top of the mountain? It, it just, for whatever reason, I, I know the offensive line, yeah. you got to look at that. But it just, it, it, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, he, he had some some moments that were very unlike him yeah. last year in the playoffs. Do, do you do you see them getting back though to the Super Bowl? I see them getting back to being contenders in a big way. I really do, Dave. And that, you know, the moment you talk about with Mahomes, for me, I'm going to zero in on one particular one. Second half against Cincinnati. I'm sitting at home on the couch watching the game. And, you know, it's easy. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So I'm counting on you knowing me that I'm going to tell you something that I would go take a lie detector test on. Watching the second half, at a certain point in the second half, I said, oh, this is the first time I've seen Patrick Mahomes play not to lose instead of playing to win. He got tight. You remember some of those throws? Oh, yeah. Those were so unlike Patrick Mahomes. I about fell off my coach couch on a couple of them. Whoa, whoa, what happened there? He wanted to be so careful and so precise with the ball as to not make a mistake that it hindered him, it hindered their offense, and all of a sudden their offense throttled down, and here came Cincinnati. And the beauty is he actually has said that himself. I saw it with a headline where he said, I'm the one who did it. He took it all on his own shoulders. I'm the one who, who throttled us down. I, I didn't make throws. I didn't stay freewheeling. That doesn't mean reckless, but he said, I didn't take the shots I should have taken that were there. I was trying to make the safe play, and I hurt our team. How about that for maturity? They also have trusted him like you have trusted, like the league trusted Brady, like the league has trusted Aaron Rodgers, and when I said league, the Packers, Tampa Bay, before that New England where they didn't spend a lot of draft capital on the guys out on the perimeter, did they? <laughs> Green Bay still hasn't drafted a first-round receiver since 2002. They count on that quarterback bringing those guys along. That's what Kansas City told Patrick Mahomes this offseason. They canceled some OTAs and minicamps and said, oh, Patrick's got the guys this, this summer with him. He'll take care of that. Inordinate amount of trust in a youngster, but I think his trust well-placed. I think that they have a good chance to get back there. They built up things on defense. They were hurt a lot on defense to begin last year. It took a while to gel. I think Spags, what he does, Steve Spagnuolo, does a great job on that side of the ball. And I think Patrick Mahomes will bring along these guys on offense. But, boy, what a division they're in now. This is no longer Kansas City and Chase. Denver's going to be better with Russell Wilson. We know that Herbert and the Chargers should have gotten to the playoffs last year, and the Raiders did get to the playoffs, and now Josh McDaniels is in town, and so is Devontae Adams. The AFC West is going to be a fun one to watch. Last one, Charles, and we'll get you out of here. You mentioned Cincinnati. They were a team that nobody saw making the Super Bowl. And I don't know, as good as Joe Burrow was in college, if anybody saw, uh, especially after that injury, him being yeah. this good this quickly. Uh, it, who are some teams that, because in the NFL, year-to-year things change. You've got teams at the beginning of the year you think are going to be Super Bowl contenders that have terrible seasons and other teams that were bad last year that end up being great. Who are some teams that are under the radar right now that in your mind will be either playoff teams or in contention at the end of the year? AFC East, I go right to Miami. I think Brian Flores and crew did a great job with, with infrastructure. 
Mike McDaniel, I think, is going to profit from that. Tua goes into a season not rehabbing but ready to play. You get Tyreek Hill. And the under understated part of that team, defense stayed intact, including coaches. And they were good on that side of the ball. So I'd keep a real, real strong eye on them. I think that in the uh, AFC North, if Lamar's healthy all year long, Baltimore was 6-2. and two. And, they, and they still missed the playoffs just by one game last year, struggling. They've, refer, they've refurbished and replenished. Their draft was terrific. I keep a big eye on Baltimore and the AFC North. If I go over to the NFC, I think Philadelphia is ascending. I think that Nick Sirianni, the head coach, has settled in quite well. <laughs> Gone from being ridiculed about his flower analogy, which actually worked quite well with that team, to get to a playoffs ahead of schedule. And it may be a referendum on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, but boy, did they surround him with talent including A.J. Brown coming over from Tennessee. I keep a really good eye on them. I saw the Titans in preseason. I like that franchise. I think Mike Vrabel's one of the top five coaches in the league. He did, this guy is on point with everything, has instant respect from his team. And let's face it, they were at the 12-5 and five last year, Dave, and played 91 players, the most ever in NFL history, and somehow were 12-5. and five. Yeah, Cincinnati got them in the playoffs. That's a good franchise. That's a good team. So those are a few that just catch my eye off the top, and I want to just talk your off and go through team by team. <laughs> but those are some of the ones. And obviously your Cardinals team is always going to be a story. And if you come out of that first one with Kansas City and, and Mahomes, I mean, uh, Murray kind of outduels Mahomes, quote-unquote, even though it doesn't totally come down to that, you're off and running. But I think the whole league is just waiting for, okay, we want to see the Cardinals November, December. That's when they have. That's when they have to really prove themselves. That's when everyone will believe, and I think this team's more than capable of doing it. Charles, this was great. You're one of the best in the biz. I really appreciate the time. Have a great season. Hopefully, we'll see you at some point. I certainly hope so. You too, Dave. And please be safe out there. The travel you do, you know, to put put in the excellent work that you do. My goodness, I'm always like Dave's where, and then he's where. <laughs> it's the most unbelievable thing each and every week. <laughs> you and your travel, but make sure you tell all your teams and your squads and, and your group that you work with hello for me. you got some really neat people that are around you, but you are simply one of the best, not to mention nicer than me and I in combined. <laughs> all right, Charles. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you're the best, Dave. Take care. Charles never shy to tell you what he really thinks, and he's bullish on the Cardinals. Of course, like everybody, waiting to see if they can finish what they started. They haven't done that the last two years, but he's very confident in Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury as a duo being in the playoff picture. But Charles is also high on the other teams in the NFC West, despite the quarterback change in San Francisco and some questions about the health of Matthew Stafford and the difficulty of trying to repeat this day and age as a Super Bowl champion. Charles is still pretty high on the Rams. So it's going to be a difficult schedule for the Cardinals starting week one against the Kansas City Chiefs, a game that will be on CBS. And you heard Charles mention that Jim Nance and Tony Romo, the A-team for CBS will be on that call. Charles will handle the uh, Steelers. Uh, He works with the Iron Eagle on the number two CBS broadcast team. He'll be on the Steelers telecast the first two weeks, but hopefully we'll see Charles at some point during the season. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. 
Go to your podcast platform and tell us what you think. I've noticed as I've gone on iTunes where I listen to podcasts that you have some thoughts on the Dave Pash podcast. We want to hear more. What do you like? What do you not like? Who are some of the guests that you've really enjoyed? Who are some future guests you'd like to see on the Dave Pash podcast? Please go tell us what you think. Thanks again to CBS's Charles Davis, and thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash podcast.